thumbs up how is your day going i know that's a loaded question because the world's blowing up and you got to do press but how are you doing generally i'm good it's snowing here um really honestly not a lot going on today so (laughs) pretty well how about you non-stop but that's an okay thing and i'm not getting you from tennessee right yep Oh, it's snowing in Tennessee. It's snowing in Nashville, Tennessee right now, which is a complete shock to me, so. (laughs) I can only imagine you did not grow up with a lot of snow. Yeah, I mean, every now and again, growing up in England, it definitely, like, it has seasons. You know, they're very pronounced. So, like, if you got snow, like, it wasn't completely shocking, but, like, it's it's kind of like... I was going more from, didn't you go between Tennessee and England for your upbringing? You, were, you had the experience of both polar opposite worlds? Yeah, I grew, I grew up in midair pretty much. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Well, doing my reading here, I learned about time well spent last year. Congratulations on having an album that's done and slotted because a lot of people have an album that's done but not slotted. You put out the first single back in May. Right. And this is coming out in late January. So how long has the album actually been done for? Oh, my gosh. Well, the songs, I wrote a lot of the songs as long as like 10 years ago. So I've had some songs on here under my belt for a long time, but we actually finished recording April 2019. So it's been a journey and I cannot wait to get this bad boy out. I've literally been sitting on it for so long. So, yeah. Yeah, that's been the general consensus when I'm interviewing artists that have an album with a release date. They go, yeah, it's been done for six months. We didn't know what the right time was. And I've written 30 songs since then. Yeah. (laughs) Some of these songs are 10 years old. Does that mean you've written like a hundred since then? Oh, so many. I mean, I'm already like ready to get back in the studio and start recording again. I mean, I'm as much as these songs are like dear to my heart, you know, it it does, (laughs) I'm getting quite sick of like, you know, playing them over and over again. And I suppose now it's just kind of the beginning of having to play them. So can't really wait to get some more music out after this. (laughs) Yeah, having a song like Few More Records that kind of uh, that's kind of in the wheelhouse even though that's not what it was intended to mean when you wrote that I would assume right yeah no I wrote that song kind of about um just like being really I mean I guess so like being burnt out on the road and like even though you're just like really wanting to go home you know you're like well I've got to do my job (laughs) so yeah that makes sense how far 
in advance is your life planned right now? Because I know the album has the release date for later this month and Tennessee does things differently than say New York. So you'll find some people that you speak with who go, oh, well, I have a tour of Florida coming up in, in March, not to disparage Florida per se. And then other yeah. people go, well, uh, our 2021 was moved into 2022. Which are you kind of at right now? Oh my gosh. Well, I've had... I've had a few people reach out about some shows this summer. And like, obviously right now I'm like, I will agree to anything and everything, you know, permitting that it's safe and whatnot. And like, you know, following guidelines or whatever. But I, yeah, I honestly, I think I have one show kind of in the talks about June. Mm -hmm. But realistically, I can't see much further than February. <laughs> it's just everything's so on edge right now. You just don't know. Yeah. So how does somebody like yourself pass the time? Uh, everyone, I think the, the obvious answer is, well, I'm watching this on Netflix and this on Hulu, and I got this Spotify channel running. Yeah. But like the other 19 hours a day that aren't, you know, sleeping per se, what does Lily Winwood do? So I've actually been slinging margaritas downtown. Okay. Um, I, I um, got hired for a job back in June, just kind of because, you know, this pandemic, like, just kind of put me in a bit of uncertain times, as did everybody. So yeah, picked up a job doing that. And I love it. Like, I love it's a really good use of time, good way to make money um met some really cool people being in nashville too doing that so it's a little it's a little mexican joint called san añejo in the gulch here in tennessee give a shout out to them but yeah they yeah they've been super cool and it's been a really cool way to sort of pass my time <laughs> what is it that keeps you based in nashville i know it's music city usa and then you had somewhat of an upbringing on a farm but a lot of people once they turn 18, 19, they go, I'm going to do the exact opposite of what my upbringing was before I realized that I miss it and love it and come back. Right. So I, I grew up primarily in England and that's kind of where the farm was. Um, oh, and okay. yeah. And so I turned 18 and had spent summers here and actually went to school in Nashville for a couple of years. And then like, obviously it being Music City, um, my mom has a home here, I have family here. I just turned 18 and I was like, okay, well, I'm obviously not gonna sit in Gloucestershire, England for the rest of my life. Kind of want to be a big city girl. So it's between London and Nashville. And I think London was just a bit far-fetched to me being 18 years old and not having a dime to my name. So I just, came over here and I've been here six, seven, six, seven years now, and I'm not leaving anytime soon. To me as a New Yorker, Nashville became super cool and mainstream like five, six years ago. It became where all the bachelorette parties kind of go. Yeah, People who say cool. that they love country music, but don't really love country music. They love pop that has added percussion and auto-tune on it that calls itself country per se. Right. <laughs> so was it music that was the allure primarily for Nashville as opposed to say Chicago, LA, New York? Um, 
I guess so, yeah. Um, I mean, the thing is, like, wherever you go, you're going to make contacts, you're going to find your little niche and what kind of makes it home to you. Um, and Nashville does have a reputation of having that whole, like, bro country and pop country thing, but underneath that, there's just, like, so much history and so many cool people with every single kind of genre. Um, I, there's actually like a big hip hop scene here now um, that I know of. And I think, yeah, just exploring into that is super cool. And uh, yeah, I think Nashville just has like a really cool music scene. And whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, something else I like to find out about from artists is in some professions, you only hang out with people who get what it is you're talking about. And then other professors, you want nothing to do with the people in it because they're kind of your competitors. Like dentists don't really hang out. They're like, I'm the, I'm the best dentist. I don't, chiropractors don't hang out. But singer-songwriters, I find sometimes all their best friends are comics and singer-songwriters. And then other ones, they go, no, I need normal civilians in my life. Which one are you closer to? Oh, definitely my, my singer-songwriter fam. I, well, East Nashville kind of like adopted me. Um, and, you know, I'm just looking out my window now. Every single one of my neighbors play music <laughs> in some way or another. Um, I think you'll find that with everybody here, but um, no, there, there's like this just super cool sort of singer songwriter musician family in East Nashville that I hold so dear to my heart. And, you know, with each person's success, we kind of bring the other along with us. If one person gets a super cool show, we're like, hey, why don't you come open up for me or vice versa? So I, yeah, I think I definitely, want a lot to do with people in my profession to answer your question. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. At yeah. least somebody is functional and that's that's you. Yeah. <laughs> so the the new album is obviously the focus and you're going to be talking about it nonstop for a couple of months. But looking ahead long term, do you have aspirations to write for other artists? For sure that's um always been an option kind of in the back of my head. Um, yeah, I would love to maybe explore that. I haven't necessarily taken any action when it comes to that, but I'm super open to the idea. I just figured with all the neighbors, it being right. a collaborative kind of community, <laughs> that you were actually going to say, well, I have four cuts on the new Trisha Yearwood album. You don't know <laughs> about that? That kind of thing. Right. No, I mean, I wish Trisha Yearwood's super cool. <laughs> and another thing that I don't know about you per se is, what the album or artist was or which or who or what I, I i don't have the right question word right there but who or what or which album it was that kind of hooked you to to start playing guitar or piano first oh my gosh well here's the big kicker i was seriously into guns and roses when i was a kid like ACDC, Guns N' Roses, all that classic rock, like loved me some Aerosmith. And I asked my dad for um, a Christmas present for a guitar and he bought me like a little Fender Strat, Fender Squire. Oh yeah. Um, 
it was bright red and just all I wanted to do was just shred. <laughs> um, and I had this guitar teacher called Tony who had like hair down to his knees, just sort of super metal rocker dude. And that's, that was my sort of dipping the toe in playing music, I guess. <laughs> For me? Same deal. Uh, it started off like Poison and I saw the ridiculous guitar solos and then that kind of graduated to Motley Crue, which I find that the hard rock is nothing I'm ashamed of, that it's as great now as it ever was if it was a great album. Can you still listen happily to Guns N' Roses, ACDC, or do you have a little bit of guilt over it? Oh man, I, I cringe just because I've heard it so much. I just like oh, it's so overplayed, like, you know, kind of walk into any bar or restaurant, that's always the sort of background music that's playing. Um, but I mean, no disrespect to them, like, I, such great music, but like, oh gosh, I just don't, I can't listen to it anymore. I've overplayed it. <laughs> well, you said Shred and there was early guitar influences. Did that lead to Van Halen as well? A little bit. I never really kind of got that into Van Halen. I'm finding Van Halen doesn't seem to have meant as much in England as it did here. Meaning like Van Halen was kind of like a three, four big hit band in England, whereas here it's like an all-time top 10 kind of band. Do I have that generalization yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's definitely the case. I, I can remember like, <laughs> you remember that video game Guitar Hero? Sure. Yeah, that's kind of like, that was like the two or three Van Halen hits on Guitar Hero <laughs> we always used to play. So that's, yeah, that's probably the case, right? I, I don't think they're as big in England. Have you gotten to the point with your musical history that you've learned British artists who are all-time huge top artists in England who are unknown here? Like you realize that like Cliff Richard and Petula Clark and Status Quo, like no one really knows them here? Yeah, um, also I find it so fascinating that like some American artists will get super big in England and then not really find their feet over here until later, like Kings of Leon, Yeah, you know? I can remember them being like huge in England and like sort of saying to my friends over here, like, you gotta listen to Kings of Leon, super cool band. And then, you know, now they're everywhere, but yeah. One of my favorite examples of that is the band Weedus, who is headlining like Download or Glagsonberry or something like that. And yeah. here they barely had one hit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so, so back to you again, uh, kind of recapping here, time well spent out later this month. You've written tons of songs since then. You might have a gig in June. There may be more coming soon. Mm -hmm. uh, anything that I've missed here? Is there a secret podcast in development or the, 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 the vlogging side of you will eventually take over everything? <laughs> oh man, um, not per se. Although I guess just kind of keep looking at my socials. I don't have a set date for a, um, a live stream but I assume there's going to be lots of live streaming on my Instagram and Facebook um, following the release of this record which is kind of the closest I can get to listeners to show them kind of like I'm still here like please come to shows. <laughs> well that sounds good to me I hope to eventually see some live streaming from you in some form so my closer Lily any last words for the kids? 
for the kids. Oh man, don't let last year bring you down, I guess. Keep, keep positive. <laughs> Good assessment. Well, thank you so much for your time. Looking forward to seeing you live in New York beyond the live streams when things get normal again, but thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. I first learned about you like everybody through Tower Records and all those places. The High yeah. My Name is Johnny album was up all over the places in the catalog, on the listing station. And then from there, I remember getting pitched a bunch of your EPs from the Planetary Group, different stuff. So it must feel weird at this point when people say to you like, oh yeah, I've been a fan of Johnny for 25 years. It's wild. I mean, no, that's great. I love hearing that. It's wild that it's been 25 years, you know? That first record, it, uh, it was exactly 25 years ago. Um, and I'm putting it out on vinyl for the first time. Um, so I'll be getting that in a few months. But yeah, man, time is crazy. You know, it feels weirder and weirder. But it's great. I, I love when people, you know, are still along for the ride all these years later. Yeah, the era when you first got that major label deal with American, it was almost a common story, not that a dude uh, called up <laughs> Reefer or that kind of part, but the dude who plays all the instruments on the album and is somewhere between the age of 17 and 22. There was a lot of you guys out there, Jason Faulkner, John from Super Drag. It was just kind of a common story. And it's interesting to see how things have evolved to now people who make music on GarageBand who actually don't play any instruments. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whatever gets the job done. I mean, uh, it's a different era and like, you know, rock music isn't the center of the culture anymore. Yeah. And, you know, I have my preferences, but it's not good or bad. It's just like just how things are evolving. And I mean, I love a lot of electronic music. Like I, I think Arca is really brilliant and there's one on tricks point never I'm a big fan of. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I love songs. I mean, it's not even a, a nostalgia thing necessarily. I mean, maybe it is, but like, you know, like a great song is like, there's just nothing like it. Like I love great bands and I love hearing people's personalities come through whatever they're doing. And you can hear it in electronic music too. I mean, you hear it in Bjork, or you hear it in, you know, all sorts of stuff where it doesn't matter whether you're using a guitar or a computer. There's plenty of bands and artists that are, totally insufferable and then they're playing acoustic instruments and you know it's all in the in the person and how they use it and the choices they make and just their soulfulness and just openness but um what was the question <laughs> well whatever it was it was a compliment at you and the musicianship and that at the time it wasn't this crazy thing where one guy played all the instruments and did all the yeah. things on the album that was self-sufficient <laughs> even yeah, though I mean, you know i started doing that when i was a kid like it wasn't i remember being like five or six years old and being totally obsessed with the beatles and i was too young to really understand like i kind of understood that you know, i'd see pictures and like oh that's a guitar or those are drums but it was too um i just loved the sound that it made like to me it was just this one sound coming out of the speakers and I was just totally in love with that sound. I was like, I want to learn what that is. Like, I want to be a part of that. So I started picking things apart and I would get really interested in the guitar, interested in the drums, interested in eventually in the bass and like every little aspect. And it wasn't any kind of conscious thing of like, I'm going to be a multi-instrumentalist or <laughs> anything like that. I was just like, I was just interested. Like, what's that sound? Like, oh, the, the intro to 
she loves you. Like, oh, those are the drums. That's cool. And as I got older, you know, I like someone sold me a drum set in high school for 200 bucks and was totally obsessed with the who. So every afternoon I would run home and like, you know, listen to uh, the kids are all right soundtrack and play along with that and talk is cheap, you know, Steve Jordan and Charlie Drayton, just totally obsessed with all these different musicians. And it wasn't me, you know, trying to, uh, it wasn't me trying to do anything other than have a good time. You know, I mean, there was little inspirations along the way, like, oh, okay, like, that's interesting. Like Adrian Ballou plays all the instruments on his, on his albums. Like I was really into Adrian Ballou growing up. Stevie Wonder, Paul McCartney's first couple solo records. I love yep. Terry Spenta Arby. Yeah. Um, he played everything on uh, uh, Neither Fish Nor Flesh. I love that second record. I was totally obsessed with that in high school. Um, Chris Mars, the drummer from The Replacements, I think he made the best uh, solo record poster replacements out of all of them. And I love all of them. I'm a massive Replacements fan. But he played everything except the bass. And um, and again, it's just like, it's whatever gets the job done. Like, I love bands. Yeah. Like, I, you know, just whatever makes things great you know? So I, I've, I've always been interested in, in all these different musicians and different ways of approaching music and writing and just performing and I don't know. So I get bored too. Like I love guitar. That's my main instrument. I've got like too many, <laughs> but, uh, well, those you know, are cool. I get bored and I'll, you know, I'll play keyboards, play drums, whatever. I like programming like the last couple of records. There's a lot more electronic elements and, it's not me trying to keep up with the Joneses or whatever. It's just like, I hear stuff and like, Ooh, this is kind of cool. Like I want to, you know, be a part of that or I want to incorporate this. And, you know, I, I don't like being bored. Like I don't like doing things <laughs> that feel too easy to me. Yeah. It's weird. Cause like, like, you know, you want to be natural or I want to be, I want to do what comes naturally, but also like I get, I get sick of doing stuff. I get sick of doing things the same way. And I love that people love that first record still but it's also frustrating because, you know, sometimes, well, more than sometimes I'll, you know, I'll hear something to the effect of like, I wish you would write songs like that again. And like, I get it. Cause like there's artists that I wish they would write songs like what particular record that I love. So I, I totally get it. And, and I appreciate, you know, the fact that people listened at all and are into it, but at the same time, it's just like, damn, like I, I couldn't even do it if I wanted to, you know, it's like things come out in a certain way. Cause you're at a, I was, 18 when I wrote those songs like I was I was a kid I was a teenager and it was the 90s it was a very different era like <laughs> things were different in the air you know Absolutely. Um, so you can't, yeah you can't replicate stuff and I wouldn't want to it's just like I want to I like the feeling of discovery like I remember writing those songs and the whole thing for me was just like I was so obsessed with Nirvana and the replacements and the Pixies and Frank Black and Social Distortion and all these bands and, you know, I felt like I couldn't do that because they were cool and I wasn't and like, I, you know, or whatever, whatever, the, some kind of judgment or whatever. And like, I would finally like make some songs and be like, oh, shit, like this sounds good. Like I can actually do this. And after you can do it for a while, like there's other things. It's like, oh, I love fucking, you know, the Scorpions or System of a Down. I can't do that. Like I'm known for doing this other thing. So like, that'll be weird. Right. It's like, who cares, man? Like, I'm just trying to be creative and do stuff that is fun like ultimately like you know f doesn't mean that there's no depth or that there's no meaning or catharsis or anything like that but like it's got if fun isn't an element that's present then something is wrong i learned that from hunter s thompson there's a, there's a book there's <laughs> well, a book that is his widow put out well you just 
said a bunch of things that I don't think you realize how prophetic they are. But one of the things that makes you stand out, in my opinion, is you aren't just a fan of a lot of the artists that have come up that maybe it sounds like you're influenced by, but you also worked with or befriended a lot of these people. And I'm curious when you lost the imposter syndrome. Some, some artists never do, but it seems like you did a long time ago. I think it's always there a little bit. I mean, sometimes a lot. It really depends. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't feel like I've arrived anywhere. Like, I, I still feel like I'm starting over all the time, especially the last few years. Um, I, don't, I don't mean, like, to, for it to sound complaining. It's just, like, um, it's hard. It's a hard era for anyone. I mean, you yeah. two will put out a record, and two weeks later, no one gives a shit, you know? Uh, unless they're, like, busy complaining about that it's in their computer still or whatever, yes. you know? But like, it's just so, to make me, I make music for myself, but I share it with people because I want them to be, I want them to feel excited or feel something. Like I, I love making people feel good and I love making people feel irritated. Like I, I like the worst is like when people just don't care and they don't respond or it's like, oh, that's, that's okay, that's fine. Yeah. You know, so I share stuff, I make, the records uh hoping that people will get as excited about it as as i do um and uh you know it's just it's just it's difficult these last bunch of years for pretty much everybody you know i mean some people are able to eke out a living or they're on a label or they're able to tour but you know uh i think pretty much everyone is feeling the um the crunch from streaming and not being able to sell records and just, uh, you know, I love touring. Like I would tour all the time if I could, I would put all my shit in storage and just stay on tour like Bob Dylan. Like that to me is really fun, but some people don't like it and, but they have to, cause they don't have any other way to pay the bills. And obviously like this last year, like that's totally out of the question. Right. Um, but I did do a, a short, European tour before lockdown last year. The that documentary was that, that I was going to ask you about next. Please yeah, continue. That, yeah, that was exciting. That came out and got pretty well received, like especially in Belgium. But this guy, um, I guess he pulled a, a Johnny Polanski. Like he just wrote me, you know, on Instagram. He was a fan. He loved the first record and um, just asked if I would come over and play some shows. And he it was incredible. Like he put the entire tour together, which is like, nobody wants to do that. Luckily he'd never done it before. So he didn't know how miserable it is. <laughs> it's so hard putting together a tour. Um, but he did it and he let me stay in his home with his wife and kids and he was really generous and gracious. And, and he had a camera crew following me the, the entire time and paid for it on his own dime. He's basically um, like a, a huge, uh, like TV celebrity, he's like the Ryan Seacrest of Belgium. And I, I hadn't heard of him because I'm not familiar with Belgian culture other than like Tuts Tielman. Um, but he is like a huge star over there. Like we'd go, you know, into a bar, whatever people are like, oh, this Altajan, you know, they, they'd freak out. But he loved this first record and he brought me over and put together this two week tour, went to Amsterdam and Germany as well and filmed the whole thing. And he made it into this movie and it came out really good. Like I was surprised. Like it, it, it's a really uh, fun kind of weird watch. 
and he you know he's got uh connections over there so he got it onto like the um the main commercial tv station in belgium i mean they probably only have one i don't know i don't know you know they but, like, probably he, have but, one you're right about that it had you toured belgium back in the supposed heyday or at least with Pussifer or anything no i played belgium i used to play uh keyboards in april march she's like a fake french artist she's from new hampshire but she sings in french and does like 60s yeah yeah music um that was in the late 90s so i'd been to brussels but that was it um so this was totally out of the blue um and that's part of the cool thing about the documentary is that the guy who brought me over otto jan he had i guess had like pretty big expectations and i had none i was just psyched to go over to europe and just like get out of new york for a minute and like i was just totally psyched that somebody wanted to do this so i was expecting like you know, between zero and a half person at each show. So I just had a blast, but he was, the, the movie shows like, um, and this is not like at all a dig on him. It's just like, I'm, you know, he just, uh, I think had, uh, it was a little more disappointed than I was. I was just super psyched just to be driving around and playing shows, but it, it's uh, it's rife with dramatic tension. Outro cast.